Hi, I'm Ryan. Welcome to uh, Bible on the Beach. Now, today we're going to finish Acts chapter 7. We're going to be in verses uh, 41 through 60. We've been following uh, Stephen's great uh, message, really exciting message. And now we do Bible on the Beach so that uh, disciples can make disciples, so that churches can plant churches, uh, because we want to see uh, more people uh, be in God's family. Uh, and uh, we're excited about that. So today, um, let's pick it up in Acts chapter 7 um, and in verse 41. Now, we had just uh, finished talking about Moses, and um, there's an interesting part that Stephen makes reference to here in the book of Genesis, and it's when uh, Moses goes up to to get the Ten, the Ten Commandments from God that he had put together for him, and and, and the people had, had ADD. Uh, they had attention deficit, and, and Moses goes up to talk to God. All they had to do was sit at the bottom of the mountain, wait for Moses to come back. All good. God's going to talk to Moses. Moses is going to tell everybody what God said. They're going to go home. They're going to do what God says. It's going to be awesome. Nope. Just like what we do, we can't sit still for 10 minutes. And our inability to sit still and chill out and have patience gets us in trouble. And this is exactly what happened here. How many times has God wanted to do uh, something amazing in our life? We can't chill out long enough and be patient for half a day to let God work. You know, God can do more in 10 seconds than we can do in 10 years. And once you figure that out, you, you, you get patient. Here's a, there's a paradox in life. The older you get, the more you realize you need patience. It's a paradox because the older you get, the less time you have, the more you realize patience is your friend because the more you realize God can do more in 10 seconds than we could do in 10 years. So you, we learn to trust, we learn to relax, we learn to hear the voice of God. This was part of their journey. They really struck out here. And um, we'll pick it up in verse 41. It says, so they made a God, an idol in the form of a bull calf. You see, when you can't wait on God, You'll always make a God. And instead of waiting for the living God, they went and they made an idol. We do the same in our lives. We make idols, money, jobs. We come up with our own cultural definition of success. You know, success is a totally arbitrary, made-up cultural definition. People just make up a definition of success, and then they run after it full steam, if you follow Jesus, if you're a believer, success is, what is God saying to you, and are you doing it? And that's it. That's success if you're a believer. So when God saw what they had done, he turned away from them and handed them over to the worship of the stars of heaven as recorded in the prophetic writings. So sometimes if we can't follow God and then we make up our own God, God lets us hang out with that own, with that like made up thing that we made up for a while. And um, it ultimately leads to a lack of peace and a discontentment with life because you'll only experience peace and tranquility when you are in tune with God's will. Now, it doesn't mean life will be easy and it doesn't mean that life will be pain-free, but it does mean that you'll experience peace in every season and every chapter because you'll be able to know that God is with you in what you're doing 
whether it's good, bad, easy, or whatever, you'll know that God is with you. So he says, people of Israel, you failed to worship me when you offered animal sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness. Instead, you worshiped the god Moloch, and you carried his tabernacle, not mine. You worshiped your star god, Raphon. You made idols with your hands and worshiped them instead of me. So now I will cast you into exile beyond Babylon. Now, before we sit and listen about these people and the idols that they made, what are some of the idols that we've made in our life? What are some of the things that we've put in our life before God? Now think about it. Is it a relationship? Is it a certain amount of money that you need to make? Is it a certain amount of accolades that you're willing to try to accomplish at the expense of your marriage or the expense of your relationship with your friends or the people that you're supposed to influence for God? Those can all be idols. Anything that stands in the way of God's will for you is an idol. Could be a lifestyle you prefer. Could be, a, could be, could be any number of things. But I want you to think... What is God asking me to do? And have I put anything in front of what God has asked me to do? If you've put anything in front of what God's asked you to do, that's an idol. That's an idol. So I want you to think about it. Do I have any idols in my life? Do I have any idols in my life? So think about that. God will reveal them to you. And then God will, of course, want us to turn away um, from those idols. In fact, Right now, if you're watching this, you can say, hey, God, I want to turn away from my idols. I don't want to be following anything but you. I don't want to put anything in front of you. In fact, remove all the things in my life that are keeping me from doing your will, your way in my life, because I want to follow you um, to the best of my ability. Now, God gave Moses the revelation of the pattern of the tabernacle by the testimony. By God's command, he made it exactly according to the specifications given to him for our ancestors in the wilderness. The next generation received possession of it, and under Joshua's leadership, they took possession of the land of the nations, which God drove out in front of them. So now God, now he starts to tell a little bit of the history of how the leadership passes from Moses to Joshua. And uh, under Joshua's leadership, they took possession of the land. Now David found loving favor with God and prayed for a dwelling place for the God of Jacob, but it was Solomon who built him a house. So he's going through, you know, you can go back and you can read 1 Samuel and you can read 2 Samuel and you can read 1 Kings and 2 Kings and you can see the history of how God was working through David and then started working through his son Solomon. It's a fascinating, fascinating read. In fact, I was reading some of 2 Samuel today. Now, however, the Most High God does not live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet said, heaven is my throne room and the earth is but a footstool for my feet. How could you possibly build a house that could contain me, says the Lord Yahweh, and where could you find a place where I could live? Don't you know that it is, by, that it is my hands that have built my house, not yours? Wow. So, from the very beginning, God is trying to make it clear that you couldn't build a building that was big enough or bad enough or glorious enough for him to go inside of and reside in. It's impossible. Every The second you finish the most prestigious building in the world, it is deteriorating 
and cannot contain the glory of the living God. It's because God built each human being in the world with his hands, all 8 billion of them currently, and God in his glorious plan wants to live inside each human being at their individual invitation. Think about that. Think about that. We can contain the glory of God, but we have to invite it in. Have you invited God into your heart? Have you invited God into your life? Have you asked him to forgive you of all of your sins? Have you asked him to take complete control of your life? Every part of your mind, every part of your heart, all of your plans, all of your directions. Have you said, God, come in. I want to live for you. You Do that right now. Say, God, come into my heart. I want to live for you and I want to do your will, um, your way. And so he says, don't you know that it's by my hands that you built my house, not yours? Now look at verse 51. We're going to wrap up chapter 7 here. Why would you be so stubborn as to close your hearts and your ears to me? You see, sometimes we're stubborn, aren't we? Sometimes God speaks to us and he says things to us and he wants us to do things, but we just tune them out. We say, no, I don't have ears. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear what God is saying and I don't want to see what God is doing. And I don't want to feel what God is feeling. If you really follow God, you say the opposite. God, help me to feel what you're feeling. Help me to hear what you're saying and help me to see what you're seeing. That's being led by the Spirit. He says, which prophet was not persecuted and murdered by your ancestors? Name just one. They killed them all, even the ones who prophesied long ago of the coming of the righteous one. Now you follow in their steps and have become his betrayers and murderers. You have given the law by the visitation of angels, but you have not obeyed it. Now, Stephen, now, he gives the history of their faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon. Then he turns on a dime and he lights them up like a Christmas tree. He goes, yeah, you know what? You like talking about God and you talk a big game, but all of you, you're stubborn, you're all selfish, and you're all doing your own thing. So don't think that by, that by saying with your lips that you follow God and then going out and being selfish and doing your own thing that you're really following God. You're not. You're not. You're fooling yourself. He lights them up like a Christmas tree. And now they get mad. They get so mad that look at verse 54. When they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage, filling their souls, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. He fixed his gaze into the heavenly realm and saw the glory and splendor of God and Jesus, who stood up at the right hand of God. Look, Stephen said, I can see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. His accusers covered their ears and their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice. Now, remember what I just said? God will talk, but you don't want to listen. God will want you to see, but you'll shut your eyes. And God will want you to feel, but you'll have a hard heart. This is what happened here. God was talking to them and kept talking to them just like he talks to us. And, and they didn't want any of it. In fact, it says they raised their voice because they didn't want to hear. And that's what people do when they really harden their heart against God. I don't want to feel what God feels. I don't want to hear what he's saying. I don't want to see what he's saying. And their heart gets hard. And then instead of that just happening, they actually try to 
drowned out the message. Now, in this case, they actually murdered Stephen. His accusers covered their ears with their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice. Then they pounced on him and threw him outside the city walls to stone him. His accusers, one by one, placed their outer garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now remember that name. We're going to get to that name. As they hurled stone after stone at him, Stephen prayed, O Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. He crumpled to his knees and shouted in a loud voice, Our Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. Isn't it interesting that oftentimes the people um, who are the most antagonistic towards God, and, and there are people that actually hate God and are antagonistic. Just remember, if you have people that hate you, and you have people that are antagonistic towards you, it's not you that they hate, it's the God in you that they hate. Don't take it personal. It's part of the deal. If you really follow God and you're really following him, most of the time people will like you, but not all the time. Not all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes they like you, sometimes they don't. The point is, you say like Stephen said, oh Lord, do not hold these sins against these people. You see, we need to pray and have compassion for people who are sideways and people who are far off. Don't get mad at people. Pray for them. Lift up their hearts and watch God do a miracle. And be encouraged. If you're going through a time where you're feeling like Stephen, like you feel like people are hurling insults at you and, and life is difficult and God's telling you to say things that you don't necessarily want to say to people, but you do it anyways, you are in good company, my friend, because sometimes God gives good people hard assignments. And that's okay. It just means that God is with you and he's asked you to do a difficult thing, just like Stephen did. God put it on Stephen's heart to give this radical sermon. And that was, he went out in a blaze of glory. He gave this sermon and then his life was over. And so if God's asked you to do something hard or given you a difficult assignment, just be encouraged because not all of God's assignments are easy. Sometimes they're hard and they don't have the storybook movie ending that we like in our culture. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't like it. God has a different scorecard than the one that we have. Again, it's what is God asking you to do and did you go do it? And if you're doing that today, my friend, God is proud of you and keep going. Now, thank you so much for watching uh, Bible on the Beach today. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. I hope you feel and know that God is working in your life. And until next time, have a beautiful day.